Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Friday's podcast. Adam Lefko here, Russell Joy, Kyle Scott, talking about the Eagles coming up later, Sixers and all that good stuff. Uh, let's talk about the positive stuff, and that would be uh, all of the amazing media coming out of Sixers Media Day, uh, whether it was how good the team looks, how cool uh, Markel Fultz is, um, I know that we were talking about the Sixers for so much of this podcast in the offseason. Uh, I, I know, Russ, you and your wife were pretty ecstatic about how Fultz uh, came off of that Players' Tribune piece. Yeah, for those who haven't seen it, um, pause this right now and go find it um, on Twitter. Mark Hill Fultz walking around Media Day, uh, and like I think it's about not even a minute into it, he finds the Chick-fil-A table. And the the awesome running joke of Fultz being this, like, massive, you know, he's, he's going to end up being the spokesman. They're going to get rid of the cows. Markel Fultz is just going to be the spokesman for Chick-fil-A if, if all goes well. Um, everybody getting in on the joke was fantastic, but I think one of the best parts of that video and the part that had my wife and I laughing the hardest was Fultz runs into TJ McConnell, who's looking, uh, I would say, pretty pretty darn fit at this point. He's fighting for his job on the team. He runs into TJ McConnell and he says, yo, man, did you go see the table yet, Chick-fil-A? TJ's like, I can't afford Chick-fil-A, man. He's like, dude, it's free. TJ goes, no, I can't afford it. My body. And then a little bit later, they run into Nick Stauskas, also fighting for his job. And TJ explains it to Stauskas and he, he says, no, I can't afford it. And they both look at each other, awkward white guy moment, and they just look at the camera, my body. Um... This team is so freaking likable. They are the most, I would say, the brightest spot in, in all of Philadelphia sports right now. And if there is one team that I think is going to kind of capture the hearts and the imaginations of a team, like Carson the 08 wins. Phillies. No, but I'm saying, like, as a, a team as a whole, I, I think they're, they're probably the most likable group since that, that 08 Phillies team. Two things about that video. Uh, one, he's, uh, like, he, he, he's kind of a kid. You're watching the video, and the guy has to take his picture, and he spins around on the chair. Um, he, he like looks and you know acts like a kid. I thought that was interesting. He's um, Yeah, Good. the Chick Fil A, uh, <laughs> the Chick Fil A thing can't possibly be healthy over the long stretch. I'm surprised Vegan Ja allows that. Um, <laughs> but I believe the Sixers actually parlayed his love of Chick Fil A into a sponsorship deal, which is uh, which is awesome. And I presume why there was a table full of chicken nuggets at their media day as well rip off that StubHub uh advertisement let's let's go full out chick-fil-a i heard yeah. that Fultz is so loyal to chick-fil-a that he's refusing to play on sundays <laughs> well hey that's like uh i was gonna make a, an eagles joke but i couldn't think of which player i wanted mm. to take a shot at um could have been lane johnson last year moving on what are these as peds now Chick-fil-A's. Oh, I should mention the performance last enhancing enhancing nugs, mm. uh, pens. The um, yeah. the reason, uh, Adam, can you hit your audio for a sec? I'll make a note here. Yeah. Uh, the reason the last show was uh, was a day late was because uh, uh, we recorded like half of it, and then there was a, I guess, audio dropout. Somehow, or the thing we use, it crashed, basically. So we had to re- record the second half, hope that the first half was still intact, edit those two things together, edit a few other things, and put it up. And 
Uh, generally speaking, we record like live to tape. When we're done, it takes me like 15 minutes end to end to put it together and put it up. And it was going to be more of an undertaking the other day. And I simply did not have time in the morning. So uh, Russ actually wound up doing it in the evening. And we had uh, intro audio, which uh, if Russ, you give it to me for this show, I'll head it to this one as well. It's in Slack, buddy. We got it. It is? Okay. It is. All right. I'll take so that. we had we had intro music, and for those of you who did not stick around for the end of the pod, you should go back and listen to the last minute or so. After we had the dropout, uh, we were ragging on Kyle about his fascination for using Apple products, especially the AirPods. So if you missed that, that's at the end of the last pod. Go back and give it a listen. Anyway, here we are. Fantastic. Clarification is great. Speaking of Apple products, I watched about an hour of the original Steve Jobs iPhone intro the other night. Every now and then, I like to go back and watch the master at work. That guy was the best. He really was terrific. It's like right, watching so, the hits. So apparently, uh, it's ESPN like classic for nerds. Apparently, it's like watching Ben Simmons thus far. And I know, Russ, that's something else you're super excited about. Yeah, I've, I've been beating that drum now for a while. Um, it, it was interesting to see uh, the master cynic. You want to talk about a master of, of something. Master of cynicism in residence, David Murphy, was, I guess, down at Sixers Media Day. And even he commented on how unguardable he, he projects Simmons to be. Um, I, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. We know, we know that we love Joel. We know that we want him to be healthy. We know that he is a cornerstone of the franchise. But... The, the reason that the tank was so worth it is because you got Ben Simmons. And I, I don't know if, if it's fair to say this yet or not because I haven't seen his shot. And I don't know if, it's gonna, if he's going to actually be able to shoot the ball or not. But I think you could probably make a case that Ben Simmons is likely going to have a better career than Joel. Just based on the fact that, you know, barring some kind of cataclysmic injury, uh, he will play more games. I think he will have a bigger impact on the season likely. Um, I, I'm just over the moon excited to see how he looks. Again, we talked about it the other day. He looks like he's seven feet tall at this point, standing next to Embiid. He is he is a man amongst boys. And, you know, like when you've got the Amir Johnsons and J.J. Reddicks of the world beating the drum that, that he really does look like the fully real deal, I, I don't see any way that you couldn't be excited. Um, I think... Uh... I was, what was I going to say? Oh, about Simmons. So he, um, like, oh, no, Fultz. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Fultz. I don't know if you guys saw yesterday uh, that Fultz changed, is changing his shot a little bit. Kevin mm-hmm. had an article about it. Um, for a guy who shot, you know, fairly well in college and, you know, one of his pros pluses upon being drafted was his shot Uh, if you read between the lines a little bit of his comments about working on a shot independently this summer and then brett brown talking about how yeah maybe he didn't actually need to do that much to it it was just fine now we're trying to like undo the things that he did Uh, i thought that was pretty interesting take a look Uh, i think mike schmidt is the guy's name kevin had put a tweet on the website uh compared his shot now to his shot last year at Washington, and his release is, like, way lower. It's kind of weird. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on because if you read between the lines in Brett Brown's comments, they weren't they weren't nasty by any stretch, but he was like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe he shouldn't have done all that. Was so this is like Carson Wentz going out west to, uh, to meet with a, a QB guru? Yes, um, and then Marcus Hayes writing an article about how the Eagles were ready to fire him. And how the Sixers now are ready to uh, trade Markel Fultz for 
Avery Bradley. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that wasn't um, the vibe they gave yeah. off. But you could tell Brown was like, yeah, maybe, maybe we didn't need to do all this right now. By the way, I am really excited. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Kincaid, and I, uh, as a resident Union fan, Kevin has been an awesome writer for that beat. I'm excited to see more people get to read his work. Uh, if you are not following him on Twitter, as Kyle pointed out the other day, you should definitely do that now. Yeah, so he's going to be covering the Sixers in somewhat of a beat capacity. Uh, we found out yesterday that he will be credentialed for most home games and he will be at most practices. So he will. Uh, the thing with the Sixers beat is, other than a handful, like the there's so many people covering the Eagles that it is really hard to stand out or provide anything unique. The Sixers and Flyers are are better opportunities because the Flyers beat is historically awful and the Sixers. There just hasn't been that many people covering the team. There will be more now, obviously, but other than like like Bodner and you know Jake, I mean, there's really not like any and you know and Jake's a kid. Like there's there's not really a whole slew of guys who are like must follows in that regard. But, um, and Kevin, so Kevin's sort of starting at square one here. I mean, you look at like Simmons and Fultz; they haven't played a game yet. So in terms of like um, you know trying to develop a relationship and sources and stuff uh he's not really that far behind but yeah like you said he was terrific on the union beat and i think people are going to find that he's going to be uh one of the must follows for the sixers so uh we're really excited about that you can even argue that he might even be locked on to the sixers he might be yeah well he's that's the thing you're competing with keith like bob cooney i thought was pretty good he's off the d line him who had um you know basically just boundless access because of working with CSN, she's no longer there. So it's it's basically just like a whole bunch of new people. And uh, for my money, Kevin's Kevin's going to be head and shoulders above all of them. So uh, follow him. I think That's this is a good time for a quick Keith Pompey imitation. Yeah, Russ, please, I need it. Yeah, you it know injected. what? I had I had like two people going Dance, after me on Twitter monkey. after the. Uh, after the uh, the Dick Vitale thing, I, I don't the know. Dick maybe. Vitale one was wasn't as it, good it as was, Keith Pompey. Yeah, that was, please that give was, me Keith. It was, Talk about Ben Simmons as Keith Pompey. I couldn't help but to see that Ben Simmons was out on the court. He does appear to be probably about as tall as one young Joel Embiid. One can only think about Magic Johnson when you watch him play, except for the fact that he has hair on his head, which Magic Johnson no longer does. Locked on Sixers. Thank you for ending with Locked on Sixers. I was going to have to, I thought, thought I was going to have to compel you to do that. There you go. Russ, that was really inappropriate. I'm just kidding. Why? No, I just wanted you to. I knew I knew that you'd feel really guilty. I just realized my website is down. It's six thirty. No, in it's the not. Morning. It's not. It's up. It's back. I, yeah, it it okay. went down right before we started to record, and I was like, "Do I mention it to him?" Because if I mention it to you, then that would have meant that the pod would have started at probably like seven fifteen. And I would have been long at work by then. Damn, but it is Kyle, Ru- it is, Kyle it is Russell's going to let Russell's going to let everything you've worked on just <laughs> burn to the ground <laughs> because he wants to do a podcast. <laughs> well, I, for a second, that's why I was. Con- that's why I said to you guys, I was like, I don't have internet, but I'm able to get on here. And I realized the only site I was trying to load was my own. Uh, it's back. Yeah, usually yeah. I can't do anything about it. Like usually, it's just our host is really good. Uh, and sometimes not even them, but like, you know, usually when it goes down, it's like five minutes a month, you know, for some quick thing and they get it back up. But yeah, that would have been a problem. By the way, That's I have had problem. people comment that they really like the new design of the website. Although many people, believe it or not, Kyle, are still saying that the podcast link on the website takes them to an 
An old oh, now yeah. now defunct podcast and not to the crossing broadcast, but well, I gotta know. fix that. I've been dealing with so many of those like little things. Like I, I I know people don't like totally care about this, but the like the ads on the website for people who don't subscribe, you still get ad network ads. There's a reason like the industry is in such shambles in regards to like online advertising. Uh, one, there was a good article I read the other day. I'll pass it along to you guys about how the pivot to video for places like Fox Sports, their traffic has cratered by like 80% since then. And many other outlets that have pivoted solely to video have seen huge drop offs in traffic because, surprise, they're realizing A, people don't want to watch that much video or they can't. And B, most of that video is not good. Like, you can't just stick two guys in a room talking and expect it to be as compelling as, like, you know, the highly edited viral pieces that you might see on Facebook or YouTube. Um, you know, there's a huge range in quality. Long story short is, you know, people are like, hey, there's still room for the written word. The problem and the reason for the pivot to video is the ad situation is so bad. Like, we use, like, four ad networks on the website. And for the last week, I've been trying to get, like, two ad units, like, one video unit with no audio. Uh, and another like skin one that's like a for high p- placement premium ads and like on my end all I could do was put the code there and then go back to the companies like hey is it working and like for some reason they just do not work and then when they started the work they were like causing all sorts of problems it's like such a clusterfuck uh, so if people wondering like why internet advertising is so intrusive or why all these companies are laying people off like you can blame ad networks it's such a shitty like murky like borderline gray market of like trying to game the system it's awful i hate it and yet it's a necessary evil for everybody that was my rant yeah. <laughs> that's I, think, I always think that shit's interesting because uh i mean we're, we are all subservient to ads you know it's, we work for them yeah and the good thing for you guys like you guys have like you guys produce and what you do are quality videos in a you know studio setting with professionals and you have a good sales team like and for your podcast you talked about going out to uh california and like helping to close the deal and like if you can get those direct sponsors whether it's video or written word like you're way better off um, Pod, podcasting is different and a little bit. Yeah. I, I honestly think a lot more companies are going to go to podcasting because when I talk to a lot of salespeople, they're always telling me that the percentage of actual impact from podcasting compared to all the other ones that you've mentioned, whether that is skin or it is video pre-roll, whatever it, the podcasts are so much more effective. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hello sponsors. Um, but no, they say it's so much more effective and companies are just beginning to transition uh, completely out of broadcast because, you know, you build relationships with, with viewers. They're building TV shows out of podcasts now because they're seeing how mobile these fan bases are. Who's your sponsor for the one? Is it Dollar Shave Club you guys got? Right now we have Dollar Shave Club and Ford. Okay. Because what I, what I was going to say is, you know, there's entire... You know, if you're listening to this right now and we were to tell you about an ad, like you would you would it would absorb that way more than just scrolling past a banner ad. So that's why they work. But like there's been t- entire businesses sort of built up around that. Like so Dollar Shave Club, um Me Undies. Uh, Me Undies, the mattress play like Casper mattresses, like all these places almost exclusively through yes. podcasts early on. Um yeah, the internet stuff, it's just like you know, when you could sell it like 
Google and Facebook get most of the revenue. But when you could sell an ad, like, you know, we actually, when you could sell an ad, like it's worth way more and you don't have to like worry on these, you know, algorithms and these crummy scripts on your website. But for the most part, what you have to do is you put these lines of code on the website and all the ads are programmatic. So you're going to see different ads than me. Russ is going to see different ads. Um, the problem is like, as, as like over years, they've gained the system so much where it's like, now you got to have more impactful and intrusive ads to make up that rate. And worse than them being a bad experience is that like they're so such a like pain in the ass to implement they screw with other things on the website they impact loading time and it's just like this is why like i you know why there's popularity behind the subscription site thing and why if someone really likes the site i would say look man just subscribe like it's better for us if you subscribe your experience is a thousand times better than dealing with all all of our ads if you just subscribe like it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a shitty, uh, it's a shitty world, but the um, ads that, um, our man Russ sees are typically, you know, coal, coal sales, um, coal furnaces, you know, all the good stuff. Coal gumbo, coal Ooh. stew, coal Ooh. shrimp, coal steak. There's so many a, things I need to stick. teach you guys about. Oh, coal in a sock. Colonoscopies. Um, Oh, pun time. I can't believe um, Kyle didn't make that joke. It's early. Uh, I was just waiting for it. It wasn't about, it wasn't a, uh, about a penis. That's, ah. That's you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Kyle's it could have been. Front. No, stop. I don't. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> um, Should right, we talk about Wayne Simmons? Well, I was going to say we usually lose Russ. Oh, and yes. I, we, I don't want to not talk about the Eagles with Russ. Um, so... Wait, let's talk, let's talk about the Simmons thing really quick and then go to the Eagles because right, then you guys you keep talking the about clock. the Eagles. That. Um, I, I've been very quiet about the, the kneeling thing because of my job. Uh, I can't really get too far into my thoughts on things like this. Um, but I, I just I just realized the, that for us was leading the Pledge of Allegiance in class. I, and his whole class knee. is kneeling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yo, it's loud. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody's up everybody is up and it is a it is a nice loud proud pledge of allegiance anyway russ throws uh, erasers at the kids who take a knee <laughs> no that's awful no um so what happened uh, let, let me just I'll, I'll, I'll do this so kevin kincaid wrote an article that kind of encapsulated how i felt a lot about the matter um we always joke about and we just made the joke about me being from cold country um it is it is impossible for somebody who grew up like me or apparently like kevin uh who grew up in a very 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 like 98 percent white area to understand the the level of complexity that exists and the reason that like colin kaepernick would have taken a knee and my issue over the weekend that i had with the nfl the episode that you guys i guess got to talk about it i wasn't around for that but um the reason that i i got really I wasn't upset with it, I guess, but I was slightly disappointed was that the original message of of what the entire reason for Kaepernick taking the knee had gotten lost and it became this once again this divisive uh you know, one side or the other. I'm not gonna go the Sarah Huckabee Sanders way and call it black or white. That's just awful. Uh good PR work there. Um She's actually very There's, talented. She's she, very good. She's, at her she's job. pretty good. That was just a poor choice of words on her part. Um, the the issue that I think happened is when I look at at players taking the knee, 
Um, I don't want to say that people are frauds. My issue is I think the people who cared enough about the reason that Kaepernick took the knee had already taken the knee or done the Malcolm Jenkins, done the fist, or had sat down. And I think the only people that I've been able to rationalize not having done it are the guys who thought that they might not make their team's roster. Like if you are one of the last three or four guys, you're a bubble guy to make an NFL roster, and you believed in your heart of hearts that that you wanted to to take the knee, but you were really legitimately concerned about your job security and and the likelihood of, of you being hired by an NFL team. Because let's face it, if you were on the bubble, you took the knee and your team cut you, uh, we've seen Kaepernick get blackballed. Like that, those are the only guys that I thought had an excuse. I think that what happened over the weekend was was upsetting from the standpoint that I don't I don't really see the unity. I didn't see it as guys really standing up for social inequality, which is what this has morphed into versus what it originally started out as. And seeing a guy like Jerry Jones take his entire team out and take a knee and Dan Snyder. and then. And, and then stand for the anthem was appealing to both sides, which I, I just, I have an issue with. I, I think, like, on, on the surface, I just have an issue with how some of it was handled. And I really did not like the way that the, the Pittsburghs of the world handled it by not coming out. And then we had the Villanueva thing where he was supposed to be coming out with the, the captains of the Steelers, got caught in between, and then you have the image of him standing there by himself. And then he feels the need the next day to come out and apologize while guys like James Harrison, you know, take they, they, they he threw shade at him, saying that, you know, this this guy, like, we were all in agreement, but apparently we weren't. Like, those kind of stories and, and, and the way that, that this thing has been politicized, I find troubling and upsetting. Not a fan of it. And the way that it, it, you know, applies to a guy like Wayne Simmons, who's Canadian, a guy like Joel Ward, Ward who's Canadian, a guy like P.K. Subban, who's Canadian, but all three of them play for American teams in the NHL. I think the fact that now this narrative has now shifted to these three guys, because they happen to be black and playing in the NHL, there were only 27 black athletes who played in the NHL last year. The fact that, you know, oh, here's a black guy in our locker room. Let's ask him if he's going to take the knee. Instead of what Simmons really wanted to talk about, which was the real issue for why Kaepernick took the knee in the first place, you know, he got heated. And if you haven't heard the audio, it was, was it Anthony San Is it Filippo? Yeah, Phil- the, he did. San Filippo. The audio San actually Filippo. came. Uh, he told he called me yesterday. I was in the car, uh, and he said I got I got this audio. The audio actually came from the Flyers. He was interviewing someone else. Uh, the Flyers, I guess, PR collected the. Uh, collected the audio. Um, Sam Carcitti is famous for, uh, like, you know, hey, uh, when Pierre Edouard Bellamar was on the team, and there was the thing in Paris a couple of years ago, the terrorist attack. Like, like Sam Carcitti is the classic. Like, hey, this guy is like from remotely that part of the world. I'm going to ask him his thoughts. This guy is from Russia. What does he think of Russian hacking? Like. If there's one local guy who's predictable and that he's going to ask the the most surface level question, it he was going to be the guy who's going to walk in the locker room and say, "Hey, Wayne Simmons, you're black. Let's talk about this." And you could tell Simmons got pissed because Carcitti just wanted to make it all about the knee. And Simmons is like, "I don't know. I may nope. or may not take a knee. I'm just. I think we should just have a conversation about what it means." And um, wait, that yeah. was. I don't. I don't think that was necessarily accurate because they. 
two days ago, Simmons was interviewed. I, I saw the article by Dave Isaac. I don't know if Carcitti was the first one that had the conversation because when, when Wayne in that audio talks about – it's John Boric that is going after him about about the knee, and he said that he talked to Carcitti the day before. Correct. Now, I don't know if – so. And Carcitti wrote and, an article about it. Yeah, Carcitti and, and, was, and I thought it was I thought it was well done. Like I thought it I thought it made sense. I, I read the days I guess the Dave Isaac version of it, but like I thought it made sense. With John Bork going after him consistently about you know are you going to take the knee? Are you going to take the knee? And then Simmons circling back around to why don't you guys ask me about the real issues? That's what I want to talk about, not whether or not I'm taking a knee. Well, that's like, why I, this whole thing is turned into. A farce. Like, not a farce. I shouldn't say that. But, I mean, that's what... When you have Jerry Jones out there, I mean, going back to your earlier point, like, clearly, like, I've never seen anything more disingenuous than him and Dan Snyder. And you, if you want to lump in Jeffrey Lurie, fine. I actually feel like Lurie cares about this stuff a little bit more than those other guys do. Uh, yeah, and he... You could argue he, that it was a definitely does. little bit more genuine. Like Jones and Dan Snyder just looked straight up weird standing there and uncomfortable and it was it was awkward. And so now you you take it away to your point. I think the thing over the weekend was was more about uh, Trump. Like Trump poked the hornet's nest and now everyone came came buzzing back at him. Um, uh, do all these guys care as deeply about it as the original guys? No, of course not. Are there some opportunists in this? Yes. Um do I think that's most of the people? No, I think I think a good uh, majority of the people doing it understand why and and have some sort of feeling, but previously weren't compelled to put their job on the line or whatever and do it and make a big stink of it during what is their time of employment. But now you have this thing where you're asking black hockey players if they're going to do this, and you know the baseball playoffs are coming up, and you're going to have someone do it while they're standing on the on the third baseline after intros of the NLCS, and it's going to become a big thing. And it's like we've now kind of we've gone through the looking glass on it, where it's no longer, hey, this guy wants to take a stand. It's Hey, who's going to be the guy who's going to kneel today? Like who who's going to who's going to make a big show? And and this is where you get the meaning gets lost and it turns into something uh, something that it wasn't intended to be originally. And you have people like Simmons who clearly is like happy to talk about the meaning behind the topic, but quite on like quite obviously doesn't want to be the center of attention on this and yet the media is doing it because like hey black guy in the locker room and the hockey guys want to get in on this action and so you have john boric uh berating him about whether he's going to take a knee i do think that it's it is going to be interesting since you know while we're on the topic really quick adam silver had been asked about it about you know what they're going to do in the nba if a guy wants to take the knee and he he really seemed to be leaning more towards the side of he wants everybody unified in whatever they're doing and it, but it really does sound like Adam Silver wants everybody standing for the anthem, and they can lock arms. Like he he specifically made the comment about how teams locked arms last year. Um, that will be interesting to see. Like hockey, we know is a predominantly white sport. I I don't think that Joel Ward and PK Subban and and Wayne Simmons need to like set the example and take the knee. It will be interesting to see what the NBA does. Anyway, that I just wanted to kind of put that out there, and and I'm glad that Simmons is not going to just be bowled over by by media that wants to, you know, put him into this, like, really uh, what I would consider a stupid conversation at this point about if you're going to take the knee, which, you know, sounds like we're in Game of Thrones now, but more about, you know, the actual issue behind it and the fact that, like, racism exists worldwide. And, like, as a as a young black guy playing hockey in Canada, like, he faced the same thing. 
By the way, and this is the I think and they the probably have it worse. I mean, in terms yeah, and, of like and, facing and the, that stuff, they get yes, it worse and, not in Canada well, and in hockey because they're so, the outlier. You know, you could you could make this case, I guess, if you want. Simmons Simmons, I think, has faced probably worse worse racist things happening in a stadium than maybe anybody else who plays in the city of Philadelphia right now. If you remember during the lockout, he had a banana he had a banana peel thrown at him. He had the what was it, the Ukraine no, not the Ukrainian word. He he had monkey chanted at him in in a uh, country that he was playing in. And I think that guy only got like a three hundred dollar fine, didn't have his season tickets suspended or, or revoked. Like that kind of stuff, like you, you can say what you want about race relations in the US, but you also have to keep in mind that abroad it is it is also terrible. And it for is... a guy like him that plays a sport, you know, in, in, in other countries and when another lockout will inevitably happen and he goes abroad to play again while the NHL is in a lockout, uh he is going to face those things again. Well, it's, not, it's not just that. I mean, this happens in European soccer, it, like, all the time. It does. Know, all it the time. To Luka- happened to Lukaku. It, right. I mean, it had, there are guys on team. I forget one of the – who was the guy on the EPL team who, like, was caught making things, and he plays on a team, obviously, that has a number of black players. Like, that's I, the I don't thing. Remember, but, like, Boateng, Boateng, who's German, has had fans essentially, like, making monkey sounds at him in, in the stands. Like, these things are, like – I, I can't imagine like if it, it, it is what, disgusting I, like yeah I what know you're what trying you're to say I think or I, I don't know but you go ahead. there's people want to make a big thing about I mean there's racism everywhere but in other developed countries Spain Britain Germany uh, Italy Italy it is it is worse than it is here at least in a, a certain like overt sort of like yes I am racist and I'm gonna call you something nasty. Like, it is worse in those places. So as bad as it can be here, and I totally sympathize with the fact that, um, you know, th- there's a lot there's a lot of things that still need to be called out. It, it's This is not like an America-specific problem. And I think when people uh, take issue with the anthem thing, it's like, hey, you're, you're protesting it because America's wrong. And it's like, no, like, humanity is wrong. And I think that's where the anthem kind of get the quote-unquote America and the flag and the anthem get caught in the middle because it's like, hey, this isn't a, a U.S.-specific problem. So if this is the only platform, then go for it. But, you know, it people get bent out of shape because it looks like you're taking a shot at the country, which is actually better than many other spots. And to your point Although, about the NBA, I, and Adam, I feel like you could probably even comment on this better, is those guys – like you've said this before, Adam, they're not wearing helmets. They're more well-known personalities and faces. They get filmed walking in. It's like a fashion show when they show up at the arena and the pregame shows discuss what is on their t-shirt. And when LeBron takes the court for warmups wearing an I can't breathe t-shirt, that is way more impactful than the anthem thing. So I feel like the NBA guys have a separate platform just by the nature of what they do and the culture surrounding that sport where they can make a point about something and they don't have to use the anthem to do that. And I think that's why that's probably the one sport that, you know, compared to football, you haven't seen these displays so much during the anthem because they can make, get this message in other ways while still, you know, being respectful during, um, you know, during the anthem when everybody else is standing and, you know, doing what you normally do. And by the way, I do think it's important that we point out, once again, the fact that like we are not saying that I don't I don't want us to sound like we're marginalizing what what racism in the U.S. is like versus in other countries. I 
like I don't because yeah, the one thing I will say is that with, it is about racism that. in the United States, yeah. and it's Which not is, about with, being called that at stadiums. It's about the fact that they don't feel safe when it comes to what has happened with law enforcement and in this country. That has that was the point with Colin Kaepernick yep. in the very beginning. It wasn't is, about having chance like. Like that's just, that's a fact. Which is also I'm just talking what, about what their point was. Yeah, which is also what Simmons pointed out yesterday uh, when being asked about you know being Canadian and playing in America. Like he he specifically they asked him about you know what is racism like in Canada, and he said that's not what this is about. This is about you know abuse of power, uh, police brutality, whatever. Uh, in in just the U.S., like the the conversation is about the U.S. So you know I don't want it to seem like we are marginalizing you know the struggles that people face within our own country just pointing out the fact that like these guys who play in this country have also faced awful things abroad yeah no that's fair that's fair and yeah i I wasn't trying to equate i i i get the point behind the protest my point was when you guys were saying earlier when you guys were saying earlier that boric was like, what, what do you what do you mean he was all over Simmons? Like every or, day asking him? No, he was all over him in this interview. Like Simmons uh, kept Simmons kept trying to deflect away from from answering whether or not he was going to kneel, and then got to a point where I think he got so frustrated that like Boric kind of tried to redirect back to like the the Canadian uh like Canadian racism idea, and Simmons started just talking about the reason that Kaepernick took the knee in the first place. Uh, like, where initially he said, ask me questions about it, then Boric didn't, then Boric kind of pressed about, is he going to kneel again? Then he then he really started to go off about, you know, the, the reason that that young black people in this country feel a certain way. And, uh, like, that's that's what it was. Boric was just trying to get, it sounded like Boric really just to wanted to, bite. he wanted the sound bite. Yes. And, yeah. and I'm glad that Simmons didn't give him that sound bite, that he stood up to that question. You know like what? I, I'm going to, I have really two things. One thing that's really funny to me is that the way that television and newspapers exist based off of their delivery structure prevents them from telling good stories that are accurate. And what I mean by that is television has always been built to be a short soundbite driven entity in which there are blocks supplemented with commercial breaks in which there is typically 20 seconds of an anchor talking 20 seconds of a soundbite and then moving on to another soundbite that's how it's always been done it rarely changes and because of that there's no depth to any of their stories that's the problem of television it's reliant on 15 second thought digestible broken down and easily distributed and if it's anything more than that it's deemed a special and then that needs its own time last night i'm watching the packers game and there's an hour delay and les bowen tweets out man i bet you there's a lot of writers right now furiously texting their editors trying to figure out what they're going to do and i realized all of newspaper is just is just subservient to the newspaper boy god forbid the newspaper boy can't get it out before 5 a.m he's got to get on his run we're all everyone's got to get it out so the newspaper boy can get it by 5 a.m right for online now but whatever it doesn't matter (laughs) fine in his dad's buick but we're all trying to get it out by 5 a.m to get what the hell like doesn't look like a buick that's what I told him. There's this notion, though, that you're going to give less quality 
because it has to be done by a certain time for the printing press. Right for is- online, like it's it's just so crazy to me that both of those things have less quality because of the delivery system in which they're created upon. Which they could just post based on what had happened to that point and then say, you know, go see philly.com for the rest. Like, well, I don't... That is what they do, gone, but I'm just saying. But, but, like, since they've gone to the subscription model and everything, like, I... I but whatever. It's, it's, it's part of the... I, this, it's a good point, Adam. I, the problem with certain types of mainstream media is that it's it exists because of the structure. So to your point, the TV, you know, went back in the days of the 30-minute nightly news broadcast. You you need sound bites. You need a short package, 90 seconds, whatever it is. You you know the terminology better than I do. For newspapers, same deal. The, the reason certain th- things were done in a certain way wasn't because that was the best way to tell a story. It's because um, it was the... It, it, it had to fit into a certain structure. So the it's AP style of writing, which is where you write the most important thing. So when you read a story in the newspaper, the Flyers won last night on an overtime goal by Jake Voracek. He said this about the goal. And then they go back and start over and tell you the story of the game. That's not necessarily the best way to tell you about the game, but they do that because back in the day, if they ran out of room, they, they knew they could just lop off the bottom of the article and not and all the important stuff would be closer to the top. So... I think this is why certain forms of internet, uh, journalism, writing, entertainment even, it's the same thing with Netflix. Like, they are able to tell stories the way they're supposed to be told rather than trying to build them into 48-minute segments with that's cut up with commercials and leaving cliffhangers at the end of an hour and all this stuff. And uh, when you're working with that blank slate, it gives you a better way to tell a story and do so more accurately. Like, to your point, watch any... Watch like the NBC nightly news broadcast with Lester Holt. You know, supposedly, you know, the the pinnacle of, of TV news, if, if you, you know, I, I say that in quotes. But like, they'll cover a very important topic and they'll bring an expert in and he gets like a one sentence soundbite that like, and you could tell it's like almost a rehearsed soundbite because he knows, I got to say this shortly, the reporter wants him to say something that's impactful and makes the point they're trying to make. And then you get out of it. And all sense of nuance is completely completely lost and somehow we're here from wayne simmons <laughs> so i don't i don't want to uh derail what you guys are talking about i gotta go really quick i did check the line for a change uh eagles chargers game uh it's a one point favorite it looks or uh it's uh chargers two point, suppo- chargers two, point two point chargers uh chargers are supposed to win eagles are uh the bet to cover the total will go under uh i don't know how to feel about the game I'm looking at Bovada. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm we got to teach you how to things. read that. Uh, so really quick, I I don't I, I think this is a bad game. I don't really know how to feel about it. I'm gonna say that the Eagles, uh, they they lose. I don't know what the score is gonna be. I'll say twenty-four ha- twenty-one. To... Let, let's go twenty-four twenty-one. It's not based on anything. It's I I think at some point Doug is gonna cost them a game. I think this game could very easily be one that Doug costs them. I know nothing about. Um, how the Chargers have played, except that they're 0-3. And I I assume that Phillip Rivers, I know that he's interception-prone, but I think Phillip Rivers, assuming that we're missing like a McLeod or missing a few more of these D-backs, I do think that... Uh, I think Phillip Rivers has the ability to pick a, a defense apart. And I, I could see it kind of going poorly for the Eagles. Um, I do think that, thankfully, though, Jake Elliott 
Um, I don't know if he'll if he'll have a field goal in the game. I said 21 for the Eagles, so I guess not. Uh, let me change that. 17. 24-17. Anyway, have a great rest of your uh, your day, guys. Uh, I will hang up and listen. Talk to you on Monday. See you, Russ. I like Russ's prediction in that he he went. I want Jake Elliott to have a field goal so that he changed his score prediction to give him a field goal. I like that. He's uh yeah true blue true blue. Um, All right. Did you, you, do you have anything get... else on the media thing? Uh no. I think um, I don't. Know, I think it's a very interesting time, um, especially like what come at, came come out of Sixers media day. Um, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that that media day is a good way of seeing um, the level of preparation and creativity of media because everybody knows what it is. And some people go, I'm just going to go and ask questions. And some people go and have legitimate ideas in mind because this is when you have untethered access to the team. And, um, and I know, I know what I Howard Eskin who make up a false report do? about make up a false report about Joel Embiid holding out and then go and have to apologize and shoot yourself plant taking th- uh, letting Joel Embiid shoot three pointers over you to make it seem like uh, all is all right because you screwed up yet another report just just wedging himself day. just wedging himself into a story it's just a hundred percent like and he is the best at somehow. I give him I'll say credit this. for he this. Is very, yeah, he's very good at marketing, but I don't know how you can exist like in a world in a world today that sees through so much bullshit. How that is still a thing, and his ability to anybody else reports that the player is blackballing him, right? His ability to get Embiid to tweet about it, or I'm sorry, not tweet about it, ask the media, "Hey, where's Howard? I, I want to tell him this isn't true." And then Howard shows up, tweets Embiid back, oh, "I was over to Eagles. That was more important," and gives him a snide remark. Then shows up. And allows like a joking, friendly, playful Joel Embiid shooting three pointers over Howard Eskin video. I give Eskin credit because any other media member who reports crap like that would not be able to um, flip that player into like a playful little Twitter video of you know playing sports with them. It's like a, it, I give him credit for that because he somehow manages to do this stuff without burning certain bridges, and I that's that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I feel like he does a lot of leaning in and telling people it's all a gimmick. Yeah. Uh-huh. And try to get them on his side. Uh-huh. It's kind of what I would do. Hey, 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 I'm going to do something. Just play along and I'll make you look like a good guy. <laughs> oh, thanks, Howard. Really appreciate it, bro. You're the man. Um, yeah, that's all I really had. So I did. It was interesting to see like the Players' Tribune piece come out and be the biggest, but... Um, yeah, it's it, we're we're at a changing time, Kyle. You know that's why you're doing what you're doing, um, and it's just kind of figuring out. You know, can can you get new creative thought into those old traditional places? It's kind of how it goes. Um, all right, you ready to talk Eagles? Let's do it. Okay, um, let me just kind of give the the Chargers scouting report uh, from having to have watched them the last three weeks. The Chargers are. Uh, two field goal kicks away from being two, two and one. Uh, the Hung Su, Hung Yu Kim, no, Young Ho Kim, uh, first game got iced and he missed the field goal to send it to overtime against the Broncos. Second week, uh, after the Dolphins iced him again, uh, he missed the kick uh, to win the game. They lose 19 17. 
Last week, Phillip Rivers was abysmal, like really bad. Almost had five interceptions, and they they lose to the Chiefs after uh, Kareem Hunt busts out like a 70-yard touchdown run. We know what that feeling is like. Um, the Chargers are in an identity crisis where their head coach is Anthony Lynn, who has built running games across the NFL. <clears throat> Let me try and clear off some stuff. Nope, nothing. Okay, great. Um, is that the years yet, of regret and hurt from your divorces? Yes, exactly. Um, and Philip Rivers, for all of these times, has existed in an offense of his choosing, in which he goes hurry up, he controls all the play calls, he throws wherever he wants to, um, and now they're at a crossroads. Um, Phil, uh, Chris Sims reported in the beginning that the Chargers actually wanted to draft Deshaun Watson, but Philip Rivers said he would not mentor him, and that's why they drafted Mike Williams, which I think is a fascinating story. Uh, their offensive line is beaten up. Melvin Gordon's not practicing, uh, and their defense, other than the two pass rushers, is non-existent. They're just not playing well. Eagles, on the other hand, Darren Sproles is out, and I don't think enough people are admitting how big of a loss that is. Uh, passing game, running game, everything. Fletcher Cox likely is not going to play, which is even a bigger loss. Ronnie McLeod should be back. Jordan Hicks should be back. But I cannot state how big of an impact missing Fletcher Cox is. Um, Kyle, what, how do you think this game plays out? Yeah, I think I agree with you on the Darren Sproles thing. Um, it's almost like we've just sort of been like, oh, well, yep, he was not going to be around much longer anyway. Moving on. Yet over the last three seasons, he has consistently, consistently, and without question, been the Eagles, uh, not only their best offensive player, um, but also the one guy who would break them out of what was turning out to be a horrific slump. You know, several drives that result in a punt, and then you get Darren Sproles out there, and he gets a little momentum going their way by breaking off a 15-yard run or taking a screen pass 20 yards or returning a punt either to the house or, you know, at least 25 yards to get people excited. They're going to miss that. And um, Sean Cottrell wrote a piece for us yesterday about Wendell Smallwood, or maybe it's Jim McCormick, I can't remember. Um, sorry, guys. How... um. You know, how Smallwood could be leaned upon to be um, sort of, you know, basically pick up the Sproles role. The Eagles can't get rid of all of those plays in the playbook that are designed for Sproles. And if Smallwood could pick up that role, then they should be fine. But that's asking a lot of guy of a guy who has yet to do this on a consistent level in the NFL. So I think this is this is a big thing as well. I mean, you just lost your best weapon on offense and everyone's like, nah, no big deal. I think that hurts them. Uh, Ron Jaworski picked the Eagles to lose, which I, you know, takes like a cataclysmic event, I would imagine. Um, I, I don't know. This is a tough game going across the country. Uh, I like, I don't know. I, it's, it's easier to go West than it is to come East, but um, this is, this is not a good spot. I, this is not even a trap game. The chargers, like you said, I don't think they're as bad. I watched a lot of chargers over the last few years. Cause they're usually, you know, they tend to be on a f obviously four o'clock when the Eagles aren't playing and they're not a terrible team. They might have a little bit of an identity crisis, but they're not like, this isn't like pencil in a win. Yeah. The Eagles going out there. This is a good, not game. at all. 
I think um, I think the reason that everyone is so okay with Darren Sproles is because we knew that he only had a year or two left. So we're kind of like, ah, this is that time. And I, but I don't think I think there's a difference between getting rid of him in the off season and losing him in the middle of the year. Um, Sims had a really interesting point on the podcast yesterday, and his point was the Eagles have a chance to have a really good identity if Peterson's willing to do it. And that identity is a downhill running team. What what we saw with LeGarrette Blunt in the quarter and a half when they decided to actually really run the ball was an offensive line that was legitimately moving people. And LeGarrette Blunt actually like running and, and powerfully bashing through people. And Sims said that Carson Wentz off the play action, it can be so effective, but Doug consistently gets away from the run, which I think is a character flaw in Andy Reid and all of his coaches that he's created, is their inability to stick with the run. I think the Eagles could, if they do this, become a much better football team and keep their fo- their defense off the field more if they can become a downhill running team that throws off of that. Problem is, I don't think that happens. Yeah, and the problem is, I don't know if they're equipped enough for that. Like, you have LeGarrette Blunt, but here's the thing. He, you kind of telegraph what you're doing when he's on, he's on the field because he, he doesn't really pose much of a threat out of the backfield receiving the ball. So can you have a little bit of success like you did against the Giants? Yes. Can he get you short down, short yardage when you need it? Uh, yes. Is he, you know, may, probably better than... I've given him credit for, and I think thus far the fan base has given him credit for, and that Doug not using him at all in week two has given him credit for. Yeah, probably. But if Kyle, I, I'm also talking about using Wendell on those I, same plays. I get, but Wendell Small will can, can't. He's an east-west runner more than a downhill runner. So I'm not disagreeing with you that a better running game would open up things in the offense, and it would be great to have seen them last game use the since the running game was so successful, use the play action to complete one or two deep balls over the top. And this is what Sean broke down yesterday. I should have got this right. Was was He's broke down all 14, I think, of, of Wentz's deep throws this year um, and what may or, have, may or may not have been wrong with them. So to this point, Wentz has yet to com- leverage his supposed big arm to complete one of these deep balls. Call it timing, call it his mechanics, call him bad throws, whatever it is. So I think you need Wentz to be reliably twice per game, hit a guy over the top, um, and you need to run the ball consistently like you did against the Giants. They can do it, like, you know, but you got to rely on Clement. And it's like, is he... Is, is he enough more than just a handful of carries to really push the ball downhill like that? Because I don't think Wendell Smallwood is that guy, and I don't think you can give the ball to Blunt 18 times and have him run directly into the line. I think you telegraph what you're doing. Uh, I'd question as to how much usage he has in him for something like that. So I, I don't know. They're always going to be a passing offense. I think they're better off as a passing offense with a solid run game mixed in than... I don't know if they have the pieces for a run game. I just don't. I do agree that the line, like Jason Kelsey, as much as he gets shit on, uh, and he's he had an had, amazing game. He's had amazing. a ton, yep, ton of mistakes over the last few years. 
However, what people don't, you know, the mistakes register. A bad snap registers. A penalty registers. What doesn't register always is that he is one of the best linemen in the league at getting out on a sweep. I mean, he is out there trucking guys, and the whole line is pretty darn good at it. Um, that yeah, And that's the point. It's, yes. it's not about the running backs. The line strength is pushing people in a direction and then allowing a running back to cut against it. It's not about Smallwood or Clement. It's about the fact that we're not doing what the line's good at. We're trying to have them sit back and block. Jason Peters needs to jump off a second ahead of time because he's afraid of getting back in time. Lane Johnson, a much better run blocker than a pass blocker. And at least just fucking pound them early so that they're afraid of it late. Um, but yeah, what they do, what Peterson calls will be the real question. Yeah. And I think, I think if Wentz is able to use play action to hit Torrey Smith over the top, like that's going to go a long way, but we really haven't Mm. seen that from him. Like we've even seen that from Nick Foles and Deshaun, right? Do I, yeah, Deshaun in 2013. I'm trying to remember when the hell they actually traded him. Um, you know, obviously Deshaun's a special player, and the Eagles don't have that guy. But it, the you know, if you remember back to the success they had in in for that at least one season with Chip, and certainly before that, it's like if you can get that one big play a game, not only does it open up so much else, but it like literally sometimes gives you another seven points when you have that home run threat. And a lot of teams in the league have it, or if they don't have the over the top threat, you have. Odell Beckham or Rashard Matthews run 50 yards and take one to the house last week. You know, we haven't seen that from the Eagles offense in quite a while, whether it's the deep ball or the slant route, like Sterling Shepard took to the house. Like we, we, that hasn't really happened. And it would be nice. It would be nice if they could pull one of those out of their hat every game or two. All right. So how do you see this? What do you see as the final score? Mm, All right. This is where I go to the line. Uh, I'm going to try and correctly read the line. Russ reading the line was, was I would say, cute It's like that wasn't weird. It's like Russ trying to read a daily racing forum for the first time. Uh, what are these horses? Their names are... No? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the Eagles... All right, so the Chargers started at minus one. They've moved to minus two. So... For those not in the gambling world, as a home team, you should a toss-up. You'd be getting generally a three-point favorite. So the fact that the Chargers are only two-point favorites tells you that uh, Vegas likes the Eagles as a little bit of a better team. Uh, the betting spread here, it looks like about 60% of the money is on the Eagles. This is interesting. The over-under is 48, and it's crept up from 46.5. That's a one-and-a-half-point jump, which is you know pretty large. And 92% of the money, at least according to... Um, to fantasy labs here looks like it is on the over for 48, uh, which is which is pretty interesting. 92% of the money, uh, which makes you think, tells me Vegas thinks this could be a high-scoring game, unless I'm reading this wrong, like Russ. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Uh, implied scores are 25-23 Chargers. I'm going to go right on the line. I'm going to go 25-20. You know what? No. 28 20 28 25 28 25 no 25 23 25 23 chargers sorry that's my process um i think that uh i still don't like i think that there's an opportunity for both of these offenses to go off but 
I think that the offensive line issues for both teams are going to present itself because both of these defenses are, are missing a lot of pieces right now. Um, I think that um, I don't want to, but I'm going Chargers. And um, I think it's going to be a quick passing game from Phillip Rivers. I think the Chargers offense comes together. And I kind of had this one as uh, 24-21 Chargers. So that would be the under. Um, I I would love I would love for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the better quarterback, like hands down. And I would love for him to continue his miracles of putting on the cape and like running around and saving this team's ass and just making incredible plays. But I think they're missing Sproles and Fletcher Cox. And I, I, I don't think people realize how big either of those guys are. And I think more importantly, you're going across the country after an emotional win over a division rival on a last-second field goal. And the other team is completely desperate. Completely. And I just... I think this is going to come down, and I think the Chargers get out to an early lead, and I think the Eagles come back and make it a game but can't get enough done. I agree with you. I agree with that analysis. I'm going to change my score. I'm going to go 31-28. I think it's a little bit higher higher score. Oh, now you're really going high. 31-28. Yeah, I mean, games out. Like, it just feels like games out there. I want to say out there. I'm used to watching them in San Diego. But it just feels like every Chargers game at the end of the game, like, just tends to get zany, and there's, like – there's needless points put up in the fourth quarter because they're like kind of such a pass heavy slash dynamic off game. I don't know. Games just seem to get drawn out. That's totally subjective just from watching chargers games. I feel like they never end sometimes. So I'll go higher. Oh, that's definitely possible. It's a hundred percent possible. All right, guys, we appreciate you so much. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Kyle, anything to add before we go? Uh, no, what do we got coming up on the website today? I would tell people this. If you are into uh, daily fantasy or fantasy in general, uh, Jim McCormick, who's been writing about one or two pieces a week for us, uh, he's done he's done fantasy stuff for ESPN for a decade now. He is terrific, like super smart. And each week he's doing a piece about a specific Eagles fantasy implications and then mixing in his um, daily fantasy suggestions. I would I would give that a read. Because it's not just like, hey, here's who I think is going to be good. It's not surface level. Like He is diving deep into the numbers across a number of analytical fantasy sites and putting together, generally speaking, a pretty compelling narrative about the point he's trying to make. And thus far, he's been he's been pretty spot on. So I would go ahead and read him. It's um, Some of the stuff gets pretty deep, but if you're into fantasy football at all, uh, you'd be worth it'd be worth reading Jim McCormick's pieces. I feel like they don't get quite enough love as they should in terms of traffic. Check it out. All right, Russ, I hope he's out there teaching the youth of America and reprimanding them on their anthems. Throwing, uh, I, I love the idea of, throwing, of Russ throwing erasers at the kid who takes a knee. That would be, that would be Russ. Cold country, baby. Cold country love because him. of the guy, damn it. Uh, for Kyle, for Russ, I am Lefko. We will holler at you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. And hopefully all three of us are wrong and the Eagles kick the crap out of the charges. See you guys.